Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. Can I start with a piece from Joe Brennan in the Irish Times about small companies? Yeah, uh, this is um, a story that I don't think uh, the government, the coalition parties will wake up and be be happy to read. Um, it's uh, Basically, it's based on a, a survey conducted by Red Sea in late March, and it's surveying 300 small businesses, you know, businesses with fewer than 50 employees. And really, the upshot of it is, as as Joe Brennan writes in the story, that the government doesn't understand their needs. O- up to 80% of the businesses polled said it's becoming more difficult to keep their businesses going. Um, look, we're all well aware of, of reasons why, and they're, they're laid out in the story that um, we've had massive energy and raw material cost inflation. Almost 80% of the firm cited that as having a big negative effect. Also, rising interest rates. 45% of respondents highlighted rising interest rates as being an issue. And then the, the, the reason that um, I suppose they're, they're saying the government in particular doesn't understand their needs is a lot of well-meaning new policy being introduced. But, you know, there's always friction when you're bringing in new policies. Uh, those cited are things like the incoming pension auto-enrollment scheme. The government's tar- Targeting that for introduction next year. Then we've got things like new employer sick pay leave rules and then environmental rules in general, uh, things about how to make business greener that are all adding to the, the regulatory burden that small businesses are facing. So I think a very stark warning maybe to the government that perhaps introducing an, a range of measures at a time when small businesses in particular are struggling is fraught with danger. It is. And um, in the piece, he also says that uh, government policy is not made for them. Well, I suspect, you know, the government would say it's made for everyone rather than one Mm -hmm. particular group. Uh, John Mulligan in the Irish Independent has a piece about Dublin Airport. Yeah, this is again, maybe we're talking about the difficulty of environmental rules for small businesses. Again, this is the DAA flagging that they're planning to show a bit of leniency on airline costs of, with financial incentives for airlines that have aircraft with lower emissions. You know, they're looking to slash things like runway charges by up to 25% for airlines that qualify for these incentives. They're looking to go live with this in the next six months. And, you know, it's going to reward airlines with younger, more fuel-efficient aircraft. As we know, we heard last week Ryanair making a big order of Boeing 737 MAX 10s. $40 um, billion dollars worth, potentially. It's extraordinary, yeah. yeah a, a business that's, that's generating so much cash and can reinvest the way they can. is uh, it's, it's giving them a head start in, in this type of situation. It is interesting, you know, uh, the chief executive of DA, the DAA, Kenny Jacobs, is quoted in the piece that he, he's, they're looking to, they're steadfast in their ambition to grow Dublin Airport sustainably. And it is interesting that this kind of... Um, um, this news hits the the headlines when we have dub- the DAA and Ryanair and Aer Lingus in the High Court arguing the toss over the maximum level of passenger charges that the regulator might be able to charge between uh, this the, over the next two or three years. The DAA obviously want a higher maximum charge, and Ryanair and Aer Lingus don't want charges to move any higher than they already are. So this is all uh, part of an ongoing uh, ongoing uh, battle, I suppose, between the regulator, between the DEA, between the two main airlines in the country. Um, but incentivization of fuel efficiency and uh, more sustainable airline travel can only be a good thing. Yes, it's very interesting how uh, this is the first time I've seen that an airport will say, well, our pricing will be dynamic when it comes to airlines um, and based on uh, what sort of uh, emissions that they have. It's the first time that I've seen it in a major air- airport. Um, of course, Ryanair are, are trying to wean themselves off the normal uh, jet fuel and are trying to get a lot more of what's called sustainable aviation fuel. But that is in short supply. So they're not all airlines can't get their hands on this SAF yet. 
Exactly, yeah. And I suppose the, for the airline, the, the longer term existential threat is the, the emissions basis. So, uh, you know, the, uh, every single incentive that can get airlines and push them further along to, I, I suppose, sustainability is still only a relative thing when it comes to airline travel. Regardless, it, it is a polluting, um, polluting industry. But any improvements that can be made incrementally uh, should see material gains. Eamon Quinn in the Irish Examiner has a story about uh, deposit interest rates. Yes, yeah. Eamon Quinn and Court Caden in the in the Examiner talking about, uh, you know, PTSB and Bank of Ireland are, are increasing rates. PTS, PTSB saying they're going to increase the rates of pace to savers by about a quarter of a percent. Bank of Ireland, obviously, earlier in the week, we're talking about a new savings account that will have an initial rate of 1.5%. The, the piece quotes, uh, you know, it looks at the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission website and it, it uses that for a bit of comparative analysis. You know, a saver regularly putting aside 100 quid a month will get returns of, you know, anything from 0.75 to 1% from a range of Irish lenders. A, a bigger deposit, maybe a lump sum of 50,000 might get up to upwards of 1.5%. But we do know that uh, on the other side of the, the, the ledger, banks have been much quicker to increase the rates they're charging on loans. Central bank statistics again quoted in the piece say the average interest rate Irish banks are charging for new mortgage loans had increased to over three and a half percent by the end of March that's up quite sharply from the previous month so when we had the banking turmoil in the US in particular back in March um, part of it was the assets they held in their balance sheets were falling in value but another part and the part that was causing the the kind of deposit flight was we know that central bank rates have gone up quite significantly over the last year this time last year the european central bank rate was actually still just about negative now we're talking about you know a risk-free rate for something like a german government bond paying three percent at the moment and as in a more ever more digital world with capital more mobile and more easy for the average investor to move move things around, we certainly saw that dynamic in the US. That US investors parked their money, uh, put it into mo- money market funds that were offering significantly higher rates than the banks were on deposit, and that is causing an issue for banks globally. Yeah. So again, more evidence of that here in the story in the Examiner. Indeed, uh, I see Twitter won an important case in the US Supreme Court. Yeah, it, it was quite a narrow ruling, but it it it, it is quite important. You know, it's, a, it's seen as quite a big victory for the tech industry. You know, there's this protective internet law called Section 230 that effectively it protects social media platforms like Twitter, also the, the likes of Google through things like YouTube. It protects them from lawsuits over offensive, harmful, violent content that that their users might post. Uh, and tech companies were lobbying very, very hard to, to, um, defend section 230. They, their argument was that it would quash innovation. It would have wide ranging effects uh, on the, on the technology, you know, that underlines all the interactions that people have on their platforms. Um, and so it, it will be seen as, as a, as a big win for, for the, the tech companies, the large platforms, but, but Face, a very Facebook narrow, narrow and, ruling. Yeah, for Facebook and Twitter, it's, it, it is, uh, they must be breathing a huge sigh of relief because if the Supreme Court had done anything but what they did yesterday, um, it would have changed, it'd have to change their entire business model. It would have changed things radically. Um, uh, just finally, and we, we don't have much time, um, mm-hmm. the Nikkei in Japan, it's at a 33 year high. Now, that that was that quietly crept up, didn't it? 
Yeah, it hasn't been getting much attention, but the Japanese market, it's been fairly moribund for quite a long time, but but that's been nipping along higher. Things like the, you know, the NASDAQ has been making uh, new highs and that's been getting a lot of the attention, but the Japanese market is slowly recovering. The, the land with no inflation for so long has actually got a bit of inflation now at long last after the the Bank of Japan throwing the kitchen sink at it for for decades at this stage, but it is interesting to note that. But we're, again, for after looking for inflation and desperately trying to stoke a bit of inflation for years, it'll, it'll be ironic if that starts to be a bit of a problem and a bit of a headwind for the Japanese market. Yeah, interesting because um, they I looked at the Nikkei index and its chart up to 1990 was like an earlier vertiginous. Um, uh, rise and then suddenly it just collapsed and has stayed bubbling along for the past three decades but um, they've really got their act together The um, and uh, Japanese stocks are doing very well Dan thank you so much for guiding us through the papers this Sunday morning in the final uh, morning of this particular week it's Dan Moroni from RBC Bruin Dolphin Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on Newstalk